Today's scripture reading comes to us from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, it's verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true and is given to us in love. Well, good morning. I, I missed being here last uh, Sunday, so it's good to be back and good to be see everyone. It feels like it's been weeks and weeks. During this Advent season, we're looking at different hidden characters in Christ's um, birth narrative. And these are the men and women who played significant roles, but for some reason or another, we in the church often overlook them and their contributions. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke 1, and we learned three things from their stories. First, we learned that in God's kingdom, the poor, the humble, and the insignificant are chosen to prepare the way for the Lord. Secondly, we learned that as followers of Christ, we are to wait expectantly for God and be prepared for God's response to our needs. And then thirdly, we learn that the Holy Spirit empowers us to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Now this morning, we're looking at Joseph in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. And from Joseph's story, I want us to consider two things. First, as followers of Christ, we are to love others well. And then secondly, as followers of Christ, we are to listen and obey God. So if you have your Bibles, you can open or you can look in your bulletins. And the first thing that we want to consider as we look at Joseph's life is as followers of Christ, we are to love others well. Now, my guess is, as I say that, many of you kind of go, oh, yeah, we know that. We understand that. That's familiar to us. And my fear a little bit is that you might check out during this time. And I get that, and honestly, I really wrestled this week with whether or not to, to make this the first principle. But last Sunday morning, uh, when I was snowed in, I picked up an anthology of Eugene Peterson's sermons. And throughout the year, I've been reading through the sermons. And the next sermon that was in line for me to read was entitled, Love Your Neighbors, as yourself. And after reading the title, I had to chuckle a little bit because I was struggling 
whether to, to talk with you about loving others well. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, this is something that I need to hear during this season, and this is something that I think we as a church need to hear this season. And as I read the sermon, and it's based on Leviticus 19.18, I was reminded of how significant love is to God. And how easy it is, or was, for the Israelites then and for us today to take on our culture's idea of love instead of God's definition of love. Eugene Peterson says this, Love is one of the slipperiest words in the language. There is no other word in our society more messed up, misunderstood, perverted, and misused as the word love. Complicating things even further, it is a word terribly vulnerable to cliché. More often than not, flattened into non-meaning by chatter and gossip. The most relational word in our vocabulary ends up being all me directed, all self. The largeness of love is reduced to the mouse hole of the ego. And so this morning, I believe God is, has something to say to each of us and to us collectively when it comes to loving others well. And so I just would ask that you don't check out. Don't think about lunch, but instead stay engaged as we dive into Joseph's story. So as you look at Matthew 1, verse 18 is actually a repetition of verse 1, where he's telling his readers how the birth of Christ took place. And Matthew, he sets the scene telling us some things that have occurred. First, Matthew informs us that Mary has been betrothed to Joseph. Now, some translations use the word engaged instead of betrothed, which is certainly acceptable. But the truth is that both engaged and betrothed can be a bit misleading to our Western ears. Because for us, engagement is still a time that you can kind of back out. It's not legally binding. But in the ancient Near East, when you were engaged, yeah, Caleb, don't listen to this, you and Caitlin. In the ancient Near East, when you were engaged, it was actually literally legally binding. So it was as if Joseph and Mary, in the eyes of God, in the eyes of everyone, were literally legally man and wife. And because of that, because they were seen as husband and wife, unfaithfulness by either partner was considered adultery. And according to the rabbinic practice, could be punishable by death in the severest form or public humiliation in the least severe form. So as the scene continues to unfold, Matthew secondly tells us that before they came together to consummate their marriage, Mary was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And while Mary knew that it was the Holy Spirit who had come upon her and caused the pregnancy, Matthew informs us that Joseph had no idea. He was left to assume that this woman that he loved and was married to, that she had had an affair. 
Now, it's easy for us since we know the end of the story, we know the whole story, to kind of jump over Joseph's experience. But just think about it for a moment. He had no idea that it was the Holy Spirit that had come upon her. He literally had thought that Mary had gone out and slept with another man and was actually carrying another man's baby. And I'm sure, like any of us, he was overwhelmed with grief. Overwhelmed with feelings of denial. This can't be true. Overwhelmed with feelings of anger, sadness, guilt, shame. I can remember my cousin telling me after her husband had cheated on her that it was the most painful thing that she had ever gone through in her life. She said, Todd, to love and trust someone so wholeheartedly and then to see that trust betrayed is literally heartbreaking. And this is where we find Joseph. Yet the amazing thing about Joseph is that while it would have been easy in the midst of his pain to lash out at Mary and demand justice, justice to demand capital punishment or public humiliation for her indiscretion Matthew tells us that Joseph being a just man a righteous man does not do what the law suggests but instead does what the law allowed and that was to not only spare Mary's life but it was to protect her dignity by divorcing her quietly. You see here, Joseph loves Mary with an unconditional love that quite honestly is beyond himself. He is living the heart of the law, not the letter of the law. He is living out this new and higher righteousness that is growing in Mary's belly, the kingdom of God, that was yet to be revealed. As one commentator says, Joseph was living out the righteousness that Jesus later enunciates in the Sermon on the Mount, where mercy and justice and love and covenant loyalty are weightier matters of the law by which the rest must be judged. Joseph is loving Mary with Christ's love. The love that Christ later demonstrated when the Pharisees brought a woman caught with adultery in adultery before him. And they wanted to stone her. But instead, what does Jesus do? He protects her dignity and he kneels down and begins to draw on the sand. And then he says, any of you who is without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, each of the men walked away. And then when he was standing there just with this woman, he looks her in the eyes with eyes of love and grace and mercy and says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. This is the love of Christ. And this is the love that he calls his followers to offer to themselves and to others. It doesn't negate the law, but rather it fulfills it and transcends it. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. 
Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. And as I was thinking about this whole idea of loving sacrificially and protecting others' dignity, many people came to my mind. But one that kind of rose to the top was a woman by the name of Lottie Hilliard. The Dorches know them. A few others of you know her. She's not famous. She doesn't have tons of Twitter followers. I don't even think she has a blog. She's always wanted to be married, but has remained single. She's always wanted to be a mom, but doesn't have children. And yet for the past 40 years, this woman has loved people well. As a counselor, she has sat in front of adulterers, addicted folks, folks that are broken and hurt, folks whose stories, if you were to hear them, you would just want to fall down on the ground and weep. And she has met them in their shame. She's held their tears. She's spoken truth and called them to repentance and faith. And she has a legacy in Florida of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of marriages that God has used her to help save. And she certainly has made a difference in the Dorch's life and in my life. And she was my supervisor. And I can remember when I was at RTS in the counseling program, I was seeing clients and I was a mess, a complete mess. And I was meeting with her, and I was like, Lottie, there's no way I can go see my clients today. They're, they're in a far better place than I am. And she kind of smiled and paused, and she looked at me, and she said, you know, Todd, we are all a mess. But God loves us. And as long as you're a half a second ahead of them, you'll be okay. Go in that room, and the Holy Spirit will show up, and he will use you to love those people. Lottie exemplified love to me and to so many others. Joseph exemplifies love to us in the story as he protects Mary's dignity. In this Advent season, I believe that God is calling us individually and as a church to love one another and others well. And so I wonder... This morning, first and foremost, do you know this love that God has for you? He sees you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. Your strengths, your weaknesses, your past sins, your present sins. He even knows the future sins. And he wraps his arms around you and accepts you. And offers grace and forgiveness. And if you do know this love, I wonder what it would look like for you and me to.
to let him love others through you. I wonder what it would look like during this Advent season to protect others' dignity. I wonder what it looked like for you to love them in their shame. I wonder what it would look like for you and me to lay down our lives for others. I've been thinking a lot about Christmas and gifts and and I think having cancer over the past two years and being a survivor, I've been thinking about that. And You know, the only two things that are eternal in this world are people and God. There's not a gift that you're going to give, a shirt, a tree, an Apple computer, that's going to last. It's, it's all going to go away. It doesn't matter. The only thing that will last are people and God. And so as I've thought about that more and more, I thought this Christmas, I'm not going to give as many gifts, tangible gifts of things. I want to give gifts of experiences. Because those are eternal. And so some of us friends, instead of exchanging money and gifts, cards, we're going to go and have a little fun adventure and go on the great smoky train ride together. Because that'll be eternal. Because we'll be loving each other, with each other, caring for one another. Now the train won't be eternal. It'll, it'll go up in dust. But our time together will be eternal. And so one thing I want to encourage you, because my guess is most of you have bought all your gifts, is to take one or two of those and put them away. Put them in the closet and then march April, June, July, pull them out and give them to whoever you, you bought them for. And instead of giving them those gifts this Christmas is to be creative. And so fathers, I'd encourage you to maybe write a note, a letter to each of your children and say and commit to going on a date with them. Taking them, just one of them, on a special afternoon where you go to dinner and you hang out and you talk. It doesn't have to be elaborate. But the gift of your presence and your time. And husbands, I'll say to you again, maybe with your wives, instead of giving them jewelry or sweaters, give them the gift of saying, I'm going to go on a walk with you once a week for an hour and just listen and talk and hear what's going on in your life. And with friends and neighbors, instead of giving them things, give them the gift of your presence. God's presence. Because again, that is the only thing that is eternal. And the beautiful thing is, it doesn't cost anything monetarily, but it will cost us more emotionally. And that's why I think we tend to avoid that. It's much easier for me to write a check and and give a gift card to any of you than it is for me to sit down with you and hear your story and enter into your pain and hold your tears. But I believe God is calling us as a church to be otherworldly. You know, I thought about that this morning. I was like, there's only mention of, I guess, three gifts in the whole birth narrative, right? And somehow we have blown it up to all these gifts, 
that's, that's not necessarily a biblical concept. But I do know a biblical concept is love. And us loving one another, caring for one another, and loving our neighbors. And so the first thing that we learn from Joseph's story is that as followers of Christ, we are called to love others well. The second thing we learn is that as followers of Christ, we are to listen to God and obey Him. As we continue on in our passage this morning, we see that Joseph not only loved Mary well, he also was a man whose ears were bent toward God and whose heart was willing to step out in faith and obey God. In verse 20, it begins with one of my favorite words in Scripture, which is the word but. Because every time I see the word but in Scripture, I know that God is going to show up. If you look, Matthew says, but as Joseph considered these things, considered divorcing his wife quietly, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. God was on the move. And he came to Joseph in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now think for a moment. And this is a wild dream. He's thinking that Mary's had an affair, and then what does God do in a dream? He shows up, and he tells him, you know, she didn't have an affair. It's the Holy Spirit. It's come on her. And she's going to bear a son, and he's going to be the Messiah. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were Joseph, I would have been like, I need to go check this out with some friends and kind of talk about this dream. Or I would have been like, I need to dream this two or three or four times before I actually would actually believe it. But the amazing, amazing thing about Joseph is that immediately after he wakes up, what does he do? He commits to stay with his bride. He is obedient. He doesn't question the content of the angel's message. Matthew tells us that, that Joseph did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not, meaning he did not consummate the marriage until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name, Jesus. Joseph listened to God. No matter how outlandish it might have seemed to him, he trusted God's word and he obeyed God's command. Likewise, as followers of Christ, we are called to listen to God's word. And we are called to obey him. We are not going to understand everything that God commands us to do or calls us to do. But we're still called to step out in faith and obey Him. So it might seem outlandish to us that God is telling us to wait to have sex until after we're married. Especially when all of our friends and all of the culture are saying, go for it. But God tells us to wait 
And therefore, we are called to wait. And it might be heart-wrenching to stay in a marriage where you're miserable and lonely. But if you do not have biblical grounds for divorce, God is calling you to persevere and to look to Him to meet your needs. And it might be or might have been crazy for us as a church in August to obey God and to step out in faith to buy this building over on Westover Terrace. Yet amazingly, we as a church were obedient. And according to Diane and Scott, we have received, I think it's $494,000 in cash is in our bank today. And I know that there's some folks here this morning that still have some checks that they're going to give us. And if they do, we will have $499,000 that you guys have generously and sacrificially obeyed God and given to His bride, the church, so that we might, this Wednesday, close on that property. Jesus says this in John 14, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. You see, Jesus equates love with obedience. And Joseph listened to God, loved God, and obeyed God. And he's calling us, those of us who profess faith, to live a life of obedience that might not make sense to you. It probably won't. But it's not to punish you. None of God's commands or whispers are ever to punish us. It's to bless us. To move us into holiness and so in just a moment we're going to take communion but before we do i want us to take some time this morning to ask the holy spirit to speak to our hearts so that we might take an inventory of our hearts during this advent season so i invite everyone to close your eyes please don't go to sleep but close your eyes and with your eyes still closed I want you to ask God, because maybe, just maybe, over the last week or weeks, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. He's been nudging you to take a risk in a certain area of your life. He might be telling you or nudging you to forgive someone who's hurt you. Or He might be telling you to surrender a relationship that's unhealthy. Or he might be telling you to let go of your purse strings and be more generous toward the poor. He might be telling us to move toward a neighbor or a family member in a different way this Advent season. So take a moment in silence and ask God to speak to you.
And with your eyes still closed, I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, maybe there's some unconfessed sin. Something that you've been struggling with, that you've tried to keep hidden from Him. And He wants to speak to you this morning. Words of love and grace and forgiveness. And He wants to invite you to confess to Him right now. So will you take a moment to confess any sin knowing that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And lastly, with your eyes still closed, maybe this morning there's some here that don't have a relationship with God. You're curious, but you haven't surrendered your life to Him. Maybe this morning God is calling you to Himself. Will you answer Him and say yes? And maybe there's others here that have a relationship with Him, but their hearts, their hearts have grown hard and cold. Maybe this morning you want to tell him that you love him and that you want to follow him. So take a moment to do that. You can open your eyes and you can know that God speaks. The Holy Spirit is present here. He loves you. And He's calling us to love one another and ourselves well. And He's calling us to listen and to obey Him in new and fresh ways this Advent season. And so Daniel is going to come so that we might feast on God.